0: From Public Health Institute, welcome to the PHI CDC Global Health Podcast, a new podcast that highlights stories from the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, a U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention funded program implemented by the Public Health Institute. Our fellows are guided by CDC Global Health experts and work on the front lines of global health, developing the technical and professional skills needed to make meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges. I'm your host, Whitney Hall, the program's administration and communications specialist. Today, our guest is Rora Michael, who is our University Liaison Program Officer based at the Consortium of Universities for Global Health. So, welcome, Rora, and thank you for being on the podcast today. I'm uh, really happy to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Whitney. I'm really excited to be here today to discuss
1: um, the Consortium of Universities for Global Health, its role um, as a partner in the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, and more about my role as a
0: university liaison program officer great yeah so let's get uh, started talking about the consortium of universities for global health or cugh how did it get started and what is the structure of the organization
1: yeah so cugh was established in 2008 with Funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation. So it's a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we're based in Washington, DC. Um, it's comprised of over 170 academic institutions and other organizations from all around the world. And our focus really is to assist our members and the broader global health community to strengthen the global health programs and work across. Uh, four areas. So those four areas are education, research, advocacy and service. Um, And another focus area of CUGH is really to create equity and reduce health disparities around the world. If you want more information and details, we actually have a CUGH strategic goals and metrics um, from dated from 2018 to 2021 on the homepage of our website. And that'll actually give you much more detail around some of the things I just mentioned
0: nice so going off of that what projects and resources does cugh have and how can people get involved if they're curious you know to find out more or stay connected with cugh
1: yeah so as i mentioned um cugh focuses on education research service and advocacy and we have a ton of projects and resources to support our mission so i will kind of uh, lay it out by each section, so some of the projects we have are the Gates Foundation Initiative, um, Advocacy and Communications, so a couple of things under Advocacy and Communications is the uh, Global Health Votes Campaign, Global Health Gets Out the Vote, and uh, we also have a network of academic advisors and state technical advisory team. Um, We have conferences and events, so we have an annual conference, um, this year it's virtual and I can talk a little bit more about that later. And webinars that we have quite regularly, and then the project that we'll talk even more in more detail about is the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program. So, a couple of tools and resources that I wanted to highlight: we do have a Global Health Competencies Toolkit, um, a capacity building database, a job board that talks about uh, you know what positions and opportunities are available, as well as funding opportunities. And uh, we do have an assortment of research and educational products. We have open access toolkits, online courses, and case studies that's accessible to
0: anyone. You don't have to be a member for these for these things. So you don't have to be a member to access like the job board or those different resources that you're talking about. Correct. So if you go to org, you'll have access um, to
1: all of this information, and also just. I wanted to mention how to get involved. We do have a couple of ways. So we have membership. Um, You can become a member, individual or institutional member. And if you are a CDC fellow, you're already a member. And we can talk about that a bit more again. Um, We have committees, subcommittees. Uh, Currently, we have seven committees. And that's advocacy and communications, education, research, global health operations, membership, and then the last two that are close to the public, but I'll still mention are finance and executive. Um, And under that we have seven subcommittees that fall under the education committee. Um, We also have working groups. So a few working groups to mention are AFRI Health, Equity and Global Health, Global Health Humanities, Global Health Law, Graduate Medical Education, Global Oral Health, Palliative Care, Planetary health, and then mental health, which is actually forming now. So, I, you know, I wanted to mention all of these different committees and working groups because um, if you're a member, you can apply to be part of a committee or a subcommittee. Um, and you can just email info at cugh.org. And the working groups, anyone could be a part of it. And you would email info at cugh.org. So, you don't have to be a member to participate or even start a working group.
0: That's great. I never knew that. That's really cool. Um, just that you all have so many different opportunities to be involved. Yeah. Uh, what is your role for CUGH and how do you support the CDC Global Health Fellowship Program?
1: Yeah. So, um, again, I'm the University Liaison Program Officer. I've been in this position for um, about a year, almost a year now. Uh, So I really facilitate the communication between project staff and our academic members about the fellowship program. So I work to leverage the CGH network that we have of 30,000 to um, help support the program in a number of ways. Um, Another area or a couple of other areas that I work on are outreach. So I worked with, you know, virtually and in person um, with a number of CEPH accredited institutions um, in the U.S. And I conduct virtual and in-person information sessions. I participate in career fairs. um, I do email campaigns, um, informational interviews, one-on-one connections with prospective applicants. And I also uh, participate in a CUJH conference booth around the program. And the outreach is specifically to get the word out about the fellowship and um, provide more information to those who are interested. There is also the professional development aspect that I work on. Um, so I connect with fellows on a one-on-one basis, um, or just you know in a group setting around professional development requests and assistance. And I help to really curate resources weekly, and I add it to a professional development database for fellows to access at any time. And I would say probably the the last piece that I wanted to mention was the global health workforce panel. So the Global Health Workforce Panel is really a group of reviewers from academia who are affiliated with a CPH accredited school and they help to eval- evaluate and select each cohort of the PHI CDC fellows. So they also help to promote the fellowship program within their networks and they provide fellows with professional development opportunities which is really nice. So um, in my role, I manage the recruitment process by identifying these members uh, from our CGH network who are affiliated with CEPH accredited schools, faculty and staff to participate in this rotating panel. And we, we select the GHWP every year before the fellowship applications go out.
0: Great, and you're recruiting for that panel really soon, right? Yeah, actually the application to participate
1: in the GHWP just went out this morning. Um, And we'll be recruiting for the month of November. So we'll have that group identified by December. The year is
0: going by fast. I feel like it's going to be December before we know it. So, Um, What has been your career path leading up to CUJH? I know you have an MHA and yeah, I'm just really curious to learn more about your background.
1: Yeah, so I uh, went to University of Maryland College Park for undergrad and I majored in public health and then uh, took some time to work in a few settings doing some government contracting and actually worked in the behavioral health space for a while Um, and then went on to get my MHA, Master's in Healthcare Administration from University of Maryland as well. And for the last few years uh, up until my position here at CUGH, I really worked on a lot of uh, government contracts with different nonprofit organizations so uh, some contractors uh, include you know SAMHSA, HERSA, uh, lots of government acronyms, <laughs> uh, the mm-hmm. CDC <laughs> um, and yeah I think those were those were the main ones uh, just to mention. Um, and then I found myself here working more in global health so I've worked in the behavioral health, space for a while um, and then transitioning a little bit more into to public health and now um, focusing on global health with this fellowship program
0: since you majored in public health and undergrad i mean i feel like that gives you a unique perspective too when you're giving informational interviews because most of the time we're talking with public health students um, do you feel like i mean you relate to students kind of figuring out what they're going to do. I mean, you probably yeah. remember what that was like being an undergrad. Absolutely.
1: I can totally relate to how they feel about, <laughs> um, you know, figuring out what their career path will be like, just questions about the program and how that benefit them in their career. Um, because, I, you know, I understand that when uh, asking questions about entering into a fellowship program or applying for it, you want to know, you know, how will this help me in my career trajectory or how will this add? Uh, to my public health skill set. So totally understand.
0: And Rory, you wanted to mention a few other ways people could stay connected to CUGH. So we have a mailing list, listserv, and social media. Those are
1: probably the top three ways you can stay connected with CUGH. Um, So just starting with the mailing list, if you sign up on our website, cugh.org, you can receive CUGH updates as well as notices of other global health opportunities and events that are occurring globally. Um, We do have two listservs that you can sign up for. So we have the CUGH Global Health Education. This is really geared towards uh, faculty, students, and really all those who are involved in global health education. And the second one is global health operations. And this focuses on tools to engage members of the academia or academic global health community who work in whose expertise is involved in the administrative and operational aspects of running global health programs. So I would say the first one I mentioned is a little bit more general, and this is a little bit more focused on the operational piece um, of glo- running global health programs. So if that's in, of interest to you, I would highly suggest you sign up for a listserv. And then social media. So we are on three different platforms. We do have a LinkedIn. You can find our names, Consortium of Universities for Global Health. We have a Twitter that's at C-U-G-H news to stay updated and a Facebook. Um, So same thing our name, Consortium of Universities for Global Health, and uh, you can also find at CUGH News for Facebook as well. So, just wanted to mention those different mechanisms to stay connected, um, Mm -hmm. and then you can find tons of different updates from us.
0: Thanks, yeah, I know CUGH has been having a ton of webinars this year too. I've attended some of them and they've been just really interesting on so many different public health themes. Um, so I've really enjoyed yeah. that on a personal note. What avenues of outreach do you engage in specifically for the program, for the PHICDC program?
1: Yes. So for the fellowship program, I... I do it in a number of ways. So I attend career fairs. Um, now with COVID-19, that has changed a bit. But typically, I would attend in person some uh, career fairs at CPH accredited schools and connect with students on, you know, face to face. Get to talk to them. Get to know um, their background a little bit more and how you know I could help them get ready to apply for the fellowship program. I also conduct virtual sessions, so that's uh, me connecting with a school and um, folks or students are able to sign up for the virtual session and I'm able to talk about what the program's about and answer any questions at the end. I do also have a pre-recorded version of my virtual info sessions and I can send that out to... um, folks in a career center and they can share that amongst their networks within the school. So that's been really helpful. We just started that actually last year. So um, that's been good for getting that out there. Um, so similar to virtual sessions, I do an in-person version of that as well. So just connecting with students in person and providing that same presentation at the school. Um,
0: Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of have a unique perspective, because when you started a year ago, you were doing in person outreach, like actually physically going to universities and career fairs. And now you've experienced the transition since COVID, where things are all virtual. So I'm curious to hear more about that, how outreach has changed since COVID. And do you have any recommendations for students or job searchers participating in virtual outreach events? Yeah, that's a,
1: that's a good point that you bring up, Whitney. So COVID-19 has affected how I conduct outreach to an extent. Um, so I have not been able, unfortunately, to connect with any students in person, you know, since the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I have only been connecting with folks virtually. So the, you know, kind of the downside of that is, you know, losing that in-person connection. It's kind of nice to, to see students' faces, connect with them face to face, um, get a sense of how they're feeling about the fellowship program and establishing, um, that connection. So that has been missing a bit, but, You know, the upside is I'm able to connect with many more students virtually, Um, you know, and I, I understand that there is that Zoom fatigue that we've all been talking about with everyone having to be online for everything. But I still feel that um, most of our virtual info sessions have been successful with a lot of students actually attending a lot of the sessions and the career fairs. So that's been really nice. Um, Even though I'm not able to travel to schools, I'm still hosting far more, it seems like virtual sessions and connecting with students than I did last year. Um, So that's, I think that's probably a change. So I would say for recommendations, if, you, you know, if you're interested in connecting, I would definitely sign up for any career fairs that your school might be hosting. And if it's not your school, there are schools that are opening it up to other universities in the area um, or uh, some associations are hosting career fairs as well. So I would definitely sign up for those. You can within the career fair, you can either attend an info session with a group or you can connect uh, via a one on one session with a cr- recruiter during the career fair, which I have been doing often with students, which is really nice because you get that like 10 to 15 minutes uninterrupted time with a recruiter. Which may or may not be ha- uh, may or may not occur in an in person session, for example, like at a very busy career fair. So that's mm-hmm. kind of different for this time around, and I like that piece. Um, I would also mm-hmm. send any follow up email to the recruiters following a conversation or an info session just to connect. Um, you know, I, I realize everyone's busy and virtual, but it's really nice to have that. You know, that follow up and have any personal questions answered regarding your interests. Um, I would also, if you're interested in this program, schedule an info interview or a call to connect with us or a recruiter of your choice. But with us specifically for the fellowship program, you can always email me at rmichael at That's R-M-I-C-H-A-E-L at C-U-G-H And then also to stay connected via social media and email lists because that's where all the program updates are. So if you're connected, you're able to see what's going on, if there are any job opportunities, um, fellowship opportunities that pop up and any chances to connect with a recruiter. So that would be my recommendations uh, for now during this like COVID-19 pandemic specifically.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think that's, you know, will be really useful for people, especially who are interested in this fellowship, but just like online networking in general, I've noticed with Zoom, you know, people can be hesitant to chat and questions or unmute themselves. But from the facilitator side, it makes it for me, at least with we, we met with our fellows, it makes it a lot more interesting when people engage and ask questions and things like that, too. So absolutely. Um, yeah. So I guess along that theme, what are the most common questions that you get from prospective applicants?
1: Yeah, so a couple of uh, common issues or questions. Um, a lot of folks uh, have questions around the requirements, um, some, some people are really interested about the program, but they're not, they may not be eligible at this time, and I just wanted to reiterate, you know, the requirements or the minimum eligibility requirements for the program, um, so it's an MPH, MSPH, and a PhD degree within the last five years from a CEPH-accredited institution. So an MSPH was actually just recently added for this year. Um, Very recently, I think within the last few weeks. Before that, it was just an MPH and PhD. So it's really nice that we're expanding the requirements a bit. So again, MPH, MSPH, and PhD. Um, Also, you must be a U.S. citizen and U.S. permanent resident in order to be considered for this program, and that's due to CDC security clearance. Um, And, you know, we do have a ton of international folks uh, who are interested in this program, which is great. It's just that for this particular uh, program, you do need those two minimum eligibility requirements to apply. Um, Another, I wouldn't say an issue, but maybe a question, um a lot of folks come in with a career change or in a little bit nervous or hesitant to apply because they feel like they wouldn't be competitive um so you know they come in with a career change and say that they may not have enough experience in the track that they're interested in and that's okay we do have folks who do come in with a career change. Maybe they were doing something different, or had a degree in a different area, a previous degree in a different area, and then now they just received their MPH, for example. Um, and I say that's totally fine. You can apply. I would get some experience within that time. Um, you can do that through, you know, a job, or you can do that through a volunteer experience, or through your education. And I also tell people to highlight transferable skills and, you know, highlight management experience that you may have had in another setting that may not be directly related to your track or leadership experience, for example. And as long as you have that educational requirement, you'd be able to uh, discuss your experience with, you know, related to the track that you're interested in. So I would say I wanted to highlight just those two, just because that tends to be pretty common um, from prospective applicants.
0: Is there anything else that you wanted to mention in terms of what a prospective applicant can do to stand out or how they can learn more?
1: Yeah, so a couple of times a year, we do have informational interviews, Uh, so this is really an opportunity for you to connect with uh, someone from our program team and, you know, have time to answer questions that you have about the program specifically or just get some background information. But also the really cool thing is you get to have a resume review consultation with us um, to answer any questions that you have and kind of prepare before you decide to apply for the program. So you can sign up for that and I would encourage you to actually sign up for our listserv, not C-U-G-H, but PHI-CDCfellows.org. If you go on there, you'll be able to get um, updates around when informational interviews occur. So that's one way. I would also encourage you to explore our website. So again, the PHI website, that is really, really helpful. There's a ton of information on there that can help you decide on what track you'd like to apply for Um, and then just more details about what the alumni are doing. I think there's alumni profiles for you to check out. There's meet the fellows, you can see our current fellows to see what they're doing within their tracks. Um, There's a What is a Fellow tab that has track descriptions. Currently we have six tracks. um, So I would encourage you to read those to help you um, as you're applying for the program. And then also just a couple of tips for applicants. I would include language, international experience, and any technical or leadership experience in your resume. So that's what I typically share. These are not required for you to apply to the program. However, it is a plus. So um, again, if you have any language experience, any experience working abroad in any capacity, um, and then technical skills and leadership experiences, I think really important to highlight. Oh, and we also have a fellows experience webinar. Um, This this highlights uh, what fellows have been doing and what their perspective is on the fellowship program which i think is really helpful for an applicant to hear
0: yes so many resources available so (laughs) yes lots of things to check out um great well since you support our fellows with professional development opportunities are there any recommendations you have for listeners about um you know notable pd opportunities you have come across lately
1: yeah, actually, and you mentioned this before, Whitney. So, we have CUGH webinars. Um, we have so many that come up um, and that are being scheduled. We have actually um, a database full of pre uh, recorded or archived webinars that you can access. I would highly encourage folks to check that out. It's just an array of global health topics. So, that's one job board is one as well if you're just interested in seeing what opportunities are available you know post fellowship um i think that's something that's really helpful i do have a professional development data database that i uh, mentioned earlier that i uh, update with resources weekly a various amount of um, global health resources just to note uh, we have conferences that are available most are virtual now um, and technical training, so just a couple to mention, is like STATA or SAS or GIS, DataCamp, et cetera, those are some of the technical trainings that are pretty popular amongst fellows. Languages as well, so, um, you know, especially depending upon where you're placed in the, in, the, in the world, you'd want to probably take some language courses just to enhance your, um, your skills there. Public speaking is another one or a communications course. Um, Storytelling, I just got that one from a a fellow yesterday. So those are really popular. And then certifications like PMP, uh, like a Mm -hmm. project management professional certificate has been pretty popular. Um, and then another opportunity that is coming up. So I mentioned the conference in the, com- uh, in the conversation earlier. So we have the CUGH 2021 conference that's addressing critical gaps in global health development. This is scheduled for March 12th through the 14th, and we have satellite sessions from March 1st through the 11th. So typically this would be in person. It was scheduled to be in Houston, Texas, but is now virtual and will be operating on, I think it's. Uh, Houston time, I think that might be Mountain time, um, Central time. I'm sorry, Central time. We do we are accepting abstract and breakout panel submissions, and the deadline is October 31st. That's Friday. If you have any, you know, questions or would like more information, I would highly encourage you to uh, go visit cgh 2021org That's a conference specific website, um, and you can find more information there.
0: Yeah, and the program will be participating in CUJH's conference and possibly some of our fellows also. So if people listening are attending, you can also connect with us that way. There's so yeah. many ways. <laughs> so many. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rora, for coming on and sharing more about CUGH and also all the amazing outreach you do for the program. Um, I know that it, it's so valued and, yeah, really appreciate hearing your perspective.
1: Thanks so much, Whitney. I really look forward to connecting with fellows or prospective applicants at any time about the fellowship program. And you can always reach me again at rmichael.cugh.org if you have any questions.
0: Thank you to our guest, Rora Michael, and all of you for tuning in to the CDC Global Health Podcast. This podcast is a project of the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, which is implemented by the Public Health Institute and its partner, Consortium of Universities for Global Health, for the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Please join us next time as we share more fellowship stories. To learn more about our program and see how we are making meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges, visit our website at PHI CDCFellows.org. For questions, please email us at info at phi-cdcfellows.org. This podcast is produced by Whitney Hall. Thank you to Mike Sage, Christine Caraballo, Jazdeep Dulé, Natasha Alcos, Rora Michael, Christine Jolly, CDC Center for Global Health, PHI, and CGH.